You have officially been cleared for communication with the Is It Safe Podcast. Your contacts code names are Luke. Oh my God. That was, I used to get picked on and uh, the way I used to get picked on is a guy would walk by on the scene, like the seniors on the football team and this dude would fucking flip my, flip me in the dick. Mike. You know, I mean, I want to be a part of the zeitgeist, but you know, maybe I don't belong there. I'm a fucking idiot. I don't belong in your zeitgeist. And who gets to be a part of the zeitgeist? By the way, is it the idiots who decide? Is it the geniuses? Did you know that geniuses ask questions? And Scott. Well, if there's one thing that human beings hate, it's uncertainty. It's not knowing. It's unanswerable questions. Mm-hmm. And it just, things like that. And like things like religion, for, I mean, basically, at, like taking a widescreen are just ways to assuage the pain of being alive. Greetings. Welcome into the Is It Safe talk show. Michael Govier and Luke is here today. Just Luke and me. Nobody else. Why? Well, because that's how it went. Scott's a busy boy. He's living his life right now, and sometimes he needs to get away. Luke just went away. I'm going away tomorrow. I'm going to Las Vegas. Uh, everybody deserves a vacation. We all deserve a break. So this is the show you're going to get today. Don't forget, is it safe pod at gmail.com. we got a couple of emails to go over. Not as many as last week. A little lighter this week. You guys all have busy, busy lives. But there is a nice tale about rats in this one, Luke. <laughs> yeah, I did notice that. Yeah. We're oh, all growing up nice. now, Luke. Just the two Actually, of us. Look at us. Front seat, Mom. I sit in the front seat now. That's right. We're big boys. <laughs> Hold on, what is that from? <laughs> front seat now. You don't, what is that you from? Don't know. One more time. Front seat, Mom. I sit in the front seat now. <laughs> Christ, no, I don't. I gotta that's be That's a full-grown man. That's not a child. So uh, It's from Arrested Development. That's Buster. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Makes perfect sense now. Man-child, right? <laughs> the ultimate man-child. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it's just me and Luke today. Uh, life is happening. We can talk about life. We can talk about whatever we want. Like I said, we go to Vegas tomorrow. I think Vegas is completely overrated. The only reason I'm going is because there's this big fantasy baseball event, and I, uh, I gotta, gotta go. You just well, gotta. it's gonna be interesting. It's competition. There's big time money drafts. I'll be drafting in person with some of the biggest luminaries in the biz. Live and in person on Saturday, like a massive event is happening. And then there's also this Midnight Madness thing that this guy from New York calls himself Mike the Mouth. There's a lot of Mike the Mouths. If you Google Mike the Mouth, you'll probably find the card <laughs> player, the poker player. This is not the poker player. If you call yourself Mike the, the Mouth, the poker you're not player, a, the DJ, the. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, not original. Fucking, like, it's not original the, at all. Just the guy on the corner. Yeah, it's going to be a whole bunch of them. It's just really not original. Mike the Mouth is so... It's a cliche now. There's at least 30 of those guys in Jersey Shore. At least. Oh, big time. There's no doubt about that. I never will ever refer to myself by that moniker. But uh, he has like this midnight madness party where he rents out a suite and it costs 100 bucks a piece to get in. And then they do a draft at midnight, which I participated in. I'm going to be doing that. You don't know where you're going to draft. It just happens all of a sudden. So... That'll be interesting. These are going to be new experiences for me. That could be douchebaggery. It could be very exciting. Could connect with a lot of new people. I don't know what to expect, but I'm going. And as I told Luke off the air, I'm broke. I really shouldn't be going at all. So it's kind of funny that I'm going to this (laughs) city that is so focused is money. 
is nothing zon- else is designed to extract every last fucking dime that you've got. Yes, the Zion yes. of capitalism, yes. Las Vegas. I mean, yes. it's all about money there, and I won't. I'm going to feel very awkward. Well, a lot at least it's the fun. Strange. At least it's the fun way to get nickel and dime to death. I mean, everybody else is just getting nickel and dimed. And, this is America. You, know, you don't make money. You're a fucking douchebag. Now, what you going to do? It actually fit perfectly. So, what do you know? Yeah, you, you know, at least you're not going to be like washing dishes and then just like croak uh, while you're doing it, like having a heart attack in the in the kitchen. <laughs> You will, you because might, you're you absolutely might 100% right in everything that you're saying. That's true. Yeah, you might just croak at the craps table. So, I don't expect to play craps. You need money to play. <laughs> yeah, craps has good odds, but you need a bankroll to play craps because you got to bet a lot of different things. And my best bet is if I'm fortunate enough to somehow put together 100 bucks to play a $5 blackjack table and see if I can make that last for a couple hours and milk that real good, you know? Milk that yeah, $5 shithole blackjack. Just squeeze it out. Yeah, just milk. Yeah. I mean, soon enough, we live in a world, things have changed and inflation in the world just changes over time. There will no longer be $5 blackjack tables. It'll be a thing of the past. It'll be a minimum 10. So, uh, Yeah. Well, I mean, given inflation, I guess that makes sense. I, I wonder what they used to be. I mean, yeah, I you know, that, that's something I've never thought about is whether or not the, you know, the, the annies go up when inflation goes up. That That's probably true to a degree, but people's wages still don't go up. So people are still now, <laughs> exactly. now you're Yeah. Now you're gambling with money that is worth less. Yeah, don't worry. You so can just write it all off. Every year right? it goes on, you know, your money is worth you less You don't even less. know what a write off is. <laughs> Do you? No, I don't. <laughs> But they do. And they're the ones writing it off. That's true. Uh, mm-hmm. Everyone's writing off. I don't think I've ever written anything off. I tried before. Maybe I did once. When I was a teacher, they said, hey, you could get all the things you pay for in the classroom covered on your tax return. That's about it. That's awesome. Uh, that reminds me of like a comment I was making last week or two weeks ago that you know teachers are like buying supplies for their students. <laughs> Oh, that's a regular thing now for hey, years. Hey, listen, yeah, don't worry about it. You can you can actually just you can just write it off. It's not really a big deal. I mean, we've got solutions for you. Uh, the government. You don't has even know what a write off is. <laughs> yep, but you don't. Nobody does. <laughs> <laughs> that's why they write it off. All we know well, is the, they are ready. The people it off. that do the yeah. yeah, the people that do the write offs, they know. Oh yeah, they certainly do. Uh, let's get to the emails now. We'll just knock those out because they're not that complicated today we got one from brian brian m uh who's a great friend of the show brian we love you good to hear from you as always brian says this may upset a lot of you but i have nothing but love for the often maligned rodent this is in reference to our recent discussion which has happened more than once on the show related to rodents flying rodents <laughs> ground focus i mean rodents. nobody nobody here uh, hates rodents. Let, let's just, for the record, we don't hate rodents. Oh, I do. We don't, we don't like being infested by them. No, I made it very clear. Okay, yes. All right, Mike did. All right. I'm not going to hold back on that. Okay, good. I can't stand those fuckers, so I don't. <laughs> That's right. You really... did You did say, you did delight in uh, in stomping, stomping a few rodent lives out. I mean, rats are just beyond anything. Rats are super-powered beasts. I remember living in Baltimore. They were just scurrying all over the city at night when I would sit in an Uber waiting for an Uber call, and they'd just be out there mowing down, going 
ape shit running through the streets. They own that town, especially down by the water there over by, uh, what do they call that? Falls? Falls something. I can't believe I forgot what it's called. Crap. Falls. Were they Falls just, uh, were they, were they chewing on the walls of your town? Two little mice. Uh, just just no. fucking gnawing into your tires while you're sitting I felt waiting. safe in the car. Yeah, I actually felt like the car was protected <laughs> from them. So there's nothing that they could do to get in there. And I've actually thought about that. I Recently, I left some donuts in the front seat of a car. And I thought, if they can get into a house, why can't they get into a car? You know? Cars made of metal? Is that why on the <laughs> exterior? They're not going to eat through metal, I don't think, but. I mean, I think they could. They might be able to make their way from the engine into the into the cab at some point, but things should be pretty sealed off in a seems car. Seems unlikely. It's to be, Doesn't it? Car is supposed to be pretty weatherproof. You know, it seems unlikely, but I, you know, I feel like if they're really motivated, they could do it. So sometimes I that. get like I'm angry when I'm excited. Okay. Yeah, that's me. If I found a fucking mouse or a rat Wait, in my of, car when I got in, I'd get very angry. What kind of car you got? It's an SUV. Uh, a Which, Nissan uh, Murano. It's called a oh, Nissan. Ooh, Murano? Yeah. Oh, shit. Those Two little mice. Yeah, the, the rats can get into those easy. <laughs> You're very funny. Uh, anyways, back to the email. So, uh, Falls Point? Is that what it, I'm thinking? I feel bad now because Baltimore, I lived there for two years. Well, really, Maryland, but I spent lots of time in Baltimore. Right you know, there the by funny the water. thing about Baltimore is they will never understand how much uh, credit and love you do give them by remembering literally every other thing in their in the entirety of that whole place. Oh, Fells Point. So I had the point right, but it's Fells, not f- Falls. Oh, but there's nice. actually a Falls Freeway up ahead that is called Falls. So that's why I was mistaking that. If you go up a little bit north along the freeway there in the Falls Way, they call it. So there you go. That makes Jesus sense. Jesus Christ is the one just past tense. Baltimore. Nice area. Okay. Uh, so back to the email. In fact, this is Brian, his love <laughs> for the often maligned rodent. In fact, <laughs> I once fed the biggest rat I've ever seen. I came to refer to it as King Rat with affection in Chicago. The rest of my leftover pizza it took it not from my hand, of course, due to the intelligent and discerning nature of rats, but happily gobbled it up <laughs> with the help of its baby-sized hands after I dropped it on the ground as I watched whilst smoking a cigarette. Whilst smoking a cigarette, by the way. Whilst. You don't hear that one every day. Two little mice fell in a bucket of cream. Sharing a moment with the oversized animal as the sun waned to the distance and shadows pressed down in the alley. So verbose. The overhead alley lamp, a spotlight as we both played our roles on life's stage, revealing silently together me puffing away on a Marlboro and King Rat taking grateful and rather large bites out of a quickly disappearing slice of Chicago's finest. It was a moment (laughs) in time. I actually like rodents, and I applaud... (laughs) ...their will to survive... Through every calamity in history, they have earned the right to exist, and I don't begrudge them their existence as they parallel mine. Friend of rodents, Brian. Okay, he's a ah. friend of rodents. He's a friend of all living life. Living life he clearly is. He's a living, friend of. Li- he loves to live life, and is a friend of life. He is. Anyhow, and yeah. You know, he, yeah. rodents are great. He loves rodents. I guess. Yeah. 
I, Brian, I never knew that about you, but I'm not surprised to hear that. You are a peculiar, unique human being, and I uh, commend you for your empathy, but I don't want them in my domicile. If they can stay out of my domicile, that's fine. And rats are a whole other level over mice, which is Two little much mice. different. Much, much different. Rats are hardcore. Rats will eat large chunks of actual things. Mice, field mice, they barely need like a crumb, and they're going to be full. So... I don't know. I don't know, man. Okay. As a I feel uncomfortable. <laughs> as a as a capstone. I mean, I can always appreciate a survivor. A, a real survivor. Like like we've said before, they're gonna be here long after we're gone. After we like cook this fucking planet into a, a fucking Totina's pizza roll. It's mm-hmm. gonna be just fucking rats and and cockroaches. So good for them. Uh, but but I was I was reading a I was reading a book I'm reading a book called Chaos which is which is great everybody should read it uh, Chaos Charles Manson CIA and the secret history of the 60s uh, to give the full the full title uh, although I I do think the the author gets sometimes I think this project was like too long in the making he is a little too flowery with his uh, with his prose but uh, this is something I just fucking completely forgot about or maybe i never never really knew but you remember the movie secret of nim of course yes this is frisbee yes great fu- yes exactly that's the original book and like that is it's a it's a great fucking uh it's a great story it's a great book but i did not actually understand the uh connection to what was going on here so there's there's a whole bunch of there's a whole bunch of interconnections between like Charles Manson and the CIA, uh, and NIM, uh, the National Institute of Mental Health, actual institute that was run by uh, what was his name John John B Calhoun, who studied rat populations. And one of the fucking things that he used to do is he used to just like he used to just put rats into a small like into a contained environment and just like make them go fucking insane. And so he would observe violent behavior in in animals when they were put into uh, restrictive environments, and then he would dose them with whatever types of drugs, you know, LSD and whatnot, to see and mescaline and all that to see if they would like kill each other faster. And they they would like they would uh, rip each other apart. And this guy is a fucking psycho and a and a monster. You just sit there and watch these fucking rodents just like murder each other and nim is it's an actual yeah so it's the national institute of mental health but it was working with the cia uh and basically as a fucking front and that is something that is something that this book puts forward which is that there were all these fucking insane uh insane relationships between the manson family and the two scientists that were actually working in the Hyde Ashbury district at that time, one was one was a probation oh. officer and one was an actual uh, mental health, uh, supposed to be a mental health, um, uh, Jesus Christ, uh, somebody that actually gave a shit about people. You know, he was supposed to be a therapist, but he wasn't. He was just a fucking scientist and was- Great neighborhood over there. People. Yeah, fucking- yeah, Hyde Ashbury. Yep. Yeah, Good morning, my neighbors! Anyhow, yeah, the CIA front, uh, the National Institute of Mental Health. So the secret of NIM, I, I wonder, I always wonder, like, what, 
uh, how much further that story even goes. But you know, the secret of Nim could easily like could easily dovetail into like a you know a story about Charlie Manson and the Manson family. It's fucking crazy. Charles Manson. Yeah. Absolute insanity. There it is. This is what he wrote on the walls, or at least his minions wrote on the walls in blood. Helter Skelter. Actually, I know it gets associated with Manson forever, this song, Helter Skelter. As far as Beatles songs go, it's definitely different, and for its time period, it's somewhat heavy. It's very strange, but it is. Uh, very heavy for the Beatles, of course. But. Yeah, that was that was the thing about that album in general. It was odd. It felt like heavy metal. It's cool, though. Yeah. Well, Helter Skelter, the drums on Helter Skelter, there's a lot of riding on the cymbal, which you just didn't see much. And I'm not talking about the ride cymbal. I'm talking about crash cymbal throughout. It's more of a common thread that you would find in indie or emo music, punk rock music, later in the 80s and 90s and 2000s. So it's really kind of a forefather of all that. But it shouldn't get too much credit just because it's written by the Beatles. And I only played it because we're talking about Charles Manson, Helter Skelter. <laughs> yeah. I did, uh, what do you think of the uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood where they mixed in the Manson stuff and redid all that? Because I don't think I ever asked you if, if you enjoyed the film or not. I mean, it's Tarantino, so he always gets a lot of love and he seemed to could do no wrong. But it doesn't mean every film he does is incredible. Yeah, I for me... For me, I I did think it was, I mean, almost masterpiece level type. I mean, I I thought that was his best film. I I lost, I lost some steam on on Tarantino probably after the first few. You know, like a lot of people did, and so many of his so so many of his uh, movies were so like kind of oddly self referential and whatnot. And and you know, I kind of just like. I let that, I just let that skip, skip by, you know, after I had a, after I kind of, I don't know, just decided to uh, stop giving a shit about dumb stuff. Uh, his his films have all been, fingers. his films are all great, uh, but his, but Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, in my opinion, I that that's my favorite. That's my personal favorite. Really? In fact, I was about to buy it today, and I was going to watch it before today's episode for no reason. I didn't even think you would bring it what? up. I just, yeah, I almost bought it to watch it again. Wow. Okay. Well, uh, fucking leads a week. You're weak. Yeah, I don't. I thought it was a solid, entertaining piece of film, but um, I didn't mm-hmm. love it. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I actually, I only watched it twice. Usually I've seen his movies several times. So maybe I should go back and watch it now. It's been a couple of years too. So I think that's a good idea for me. I will go back and watch this movie again. And then I'll give you a... We got a moron here. Yes, I just a don't, full report. I, I don't ever... Yeah, I don't watch his movies twice. Uh, except some of the older ones. Like I, I don't watch like Kill Bill. I, I can never watch that again. I mean, that was enough not interested at all and i don't think i really liked it that much to begin with wow, so i don't think you're supposed to know, say that but so. but uh hollywood once upon a time in hollywood like that's a movie you can i just feel like it's something that it feels like something that my dad would be watching or like i would be watching as a dad you know if i ever have a kid 
It's that kind of movie. It'd be in the background, you know. It would be. It would just be something that is so much part of the zeitgeist that you know. Ah, the ever elusive like zeitgeist. Yeah, we're all trying to get to that zeitgeist, aren't we? It's not easy to be a part of it. Maybe I've. You know, I mean, I want to be a part of the zeitgeist, but you know, maybe I don't belong there. I'm a fucking idiot. I don't belong in your zeitgeist. And who gets to be a part of the zeitgeist? By the way, is it the idiots who decide? Is it the geniuses? Did you know that geniuses ask questions? By the way, so. Oh, fuck it, idiot. I did not know that. Where did you hear that? <laughs> I was ice skating today, and I heard it. I heard it a Tupac song actually. Me against the world. It's just me against the world. Me against the world. Yeah. I was ice skating and that song came on and he mixed in a lyric that says, even geniuses ask questions. I'm like, ooh, that's a good one. Even geniuses or only geniuses? No, even geniuses ask questions. Very important distinction. That is a very important distinction because for a second there I was like, oh, the more questions you ask, the more genius you are. But no, this is just saying that like geniuses also ask questions. I just It just kind of caught me. I never caught it before. Anyhow. This is a killer. This song is great. Although Tupac is lionized a bit, like he's too amazing. He really was. I mean, it, it's just like anybody who well, gets... Uh, to John Scott's uh, whole thing, anyone that's died uh, definitely is lionized way too much. <laughs> yeah, it's even fucking like JFK. I mean, Jesus Christ. Take it down a notch, you know? Although I think there's been a lot of uh, debunking of anything or... Uh, not anything. Just he's been debunked as a quality president. He really didn't get a full term either, so we shouldn't be that harsh to him. I don't know, but he was daddy's. His daddy helped him get elected. And that's a fact. We know that for sure. Joseph Kennedy was one of the most ruthless, bigoted motherfuckers that ever walked the earth, and he had plenty of money to make that happen. So yeah, fucking monster. Uh, yeah, he. Abs- oh, he totally was. He's big time. Uh, here's a here's I, a fun movie is, for everybody I don't know out there. Did you ever? You saw Winter Hell, Kills? Did you not? Asperger's. Which one? Winter Kills with uh, Jeff Bridges. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I got yeah, that John recommendation Houston. from you. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. Yeah, that was like back in the day. That movie's fucking great. Uh, it is. You know, crazy conspiracy theory type uh, movie, but but not really as conspiratorial as you might think because it is all based on John Huston, who is, uh, you know, Senior Kennedy, who is like basically fucking pushing his kid into politics and he's a complete goddamn maniac. Which he was, and yeah, so oh yeah, yeah, that's a great movie for anybody that that loves that kind of shit. Winter that's a great kills. call. Yeah, I forgot about that. Winter Kills. That was your recommendation back in '05. Good call. '06. Yeah. Uh, it also reminds me of The Lion in Winter, just because it has winter in the title. But they have nothing to do <laughs> with one another at all. So, very different movie. Very different. Uh, <laughs> reminds time me of Winter Falls. Uh, oh, it has nothing to do. Yeah, I don't even know who's in that. Winter Falls. Okay. Winter Falls. Because you are absolutely 100% right in everything that you're saying. <laughs> okay, we have another email. The next email is from Pinky, Mr. Pink. He does refer to himself as Mr. Pink, so whether he is a, a Mr. or not, we have nothing to go on. So we have no choice but to refer still, to you. Yeah, still have no idea. Yeah, I mean, we don't change. Just be yourself. And you want me to change? Fuck you! Okay, it says, hey guys, just listen to the show. <laughs> to help clarify, I don't think the wars improved the lives of everyday Americans. Again, this is in reference for those of you that missed it. Mr. Pink and Luke had a little spat, a little slightly disagreement about, 
OPEC and world wars and America's role in all that jazz. So if you go back and listen to previous episodes, you can get a lot more context. That's what I meant by came off so well. We didn't stabilize the countries, promote strong democracies, and create trade partnerships. Had we done one of those things, you might be able to make the case that everyday Americans derived a small amount of value for the costs paid. Maybe this helped. Maybe this didn't. I think I got to go back and listen to Mike's rodent tales again. I hate mice. Two little mice fell in a bucket of cream. Pinky. Yeah, I think, Thank you, I Pinky. Think, you know, in a, in a way, I knew, I guess I've, I felt like I knew what he meant, but I wanted to be, I wanted to at least be, you know, fairly honest with any type of comments I was making, but yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, Hey, nobody's, nobody's better for any of the, any of the fucking skirmishes we've been in over the last, uh, fucking 400 years, but, you know, these stabilized countries, that's not what war does. That's not what we do. We've only destabilized countries and destabilized economies. Uh, we've, never promoted a strong democracy that it's absolutely impossible. How dare that you, sir? It works. Does not work this way. Uh, and creating trade partnerships, that is the one thing that we have done. And those trade partnerships are things like NAFTA, you know, where you have, uh, you have free trade agreements, which uh, create things like free trade zones, which means that you don't have, you don't have actual like labor rights or labor law that is, uh, that is going to dictate, you know, the relationships between like labor and their employers in places like I let's find say, Guatemala. Your lack of faith so disturbing. think of think of the United Fruit, um, think of United Fruit because that's a that's a great example. You know, they create they create these free trade zones that that are, you know, there there is no law that can like get in there that's uh, that's sovereign. So um, those are dictated by the free trade agreements. Uh, those are part of our trade partnerships. So yeah, in, in that way, we've definitely established trade partnerships. Um, there are, are they good? <laughs> Absolutely fucking not. But those are the things that we've done. Uh, we have created trade partnerships. So, uh, you know, every, nobody is, nobody is better off for it. Except for the Come people you that butts. are, you know, making profits. That, that's that's literally it. You have to. We have, we do have to understand that, you know. And I kind of. This is America. You don't make late, money. You're a fucking douchebag. Now what you gonna in do? A, in an elite capital environment, there is there's only the the one percent is something we talk about all the time. Is like a it's like a rallying cry, or maybe it's something you hear at a protest or something. But it it is it literally like a big just, bad monster off to yeah, the side. It's literally just, those are just the people that make the money. That's it. And that is the way it is across every fucking sector and in every context. There's always a 1% that like makes all that fucking money. And nobody else does. So we've got the trade partnerships. We sure do. But who do you think fucking benefits from those fucking trade agreements? Nobody. <laughs> there you go. I hear the cash oh, nobody. register sound and I agree. <laughs> None of us benefit. I mean, well, actually, well, there's no trickle down. Okay, I don't want. I, I don't mean, want. It's not like I don't want to speak out of turn here. I mean, because we do benefit from things we do around the world. We do get lower prices as consumers on shit, but 
what cost to others around the world. I mean, God, you'd and have to. At, I mean, you'd really have to map that shit out. It's like yeah, it's it's <laughs> it lower. It's, take- it's lower cost, but you know, the lower cost is because of these free trade agreements. That's one of them. Kids mm-hmm. can kids can work in a fucking factory. Oh. Because oh, they are oh, in, would, they are in a state of exception, and they do not have to. They're they are not like those things are not conducted under any type of uh, legal legal environment that actually like protects them. So yeah, you can have kids making everyone fucking in this room, and we get cheap. Is shit. now dumber for having listened to it. Yep. Some I want to tell you this because I know you'll love this. Oh boy, Leanne was on the phone with a friend of hers, a dude, not a woman, on Sunday. And I was sitting there listening <laughs> while researching fantasy baseball. She's sitting next to me. It's on speakerphone, so I can hear the whole thing. And he started talking about how that was the great thing Trump did for us. You know, he leveled the playing field because he worked. He was a, he's a business. He's a small business person, and he was working and benefiting from the prices suck now. Exactly. He said, but he said eventually. Trump was thinking long term, which I think is the biggest load of shit I've heard in my life. That Trump <laughs> okay. would think long term about anything. Yeah, uh, and this is not like straight Trump hate. attention span. Right. Two and seconds. Th- let's be clear about Tops. this. We're me and Luke have talked about this before. We're not here to divide lines and say Trumpers over here and liberals over here and neoliberals over there. Like we're not. This is not just straight Trump hate. This is just matter of fact. Trump is a human being who made decisions as an executor of an office, and they have consequences. That's all this is. This is not just straight, oh, Trump, look what he did to us now. He fucked us forever. But in this sense, I I thought it was short-sighted what the guy was saying on the phone. Right. He didn't have to do anything. All these other... If you think that Trump's your friend, or you think that any of these people are are here for you and supporting you in any way, they're not. They never have been. That's a total side note. And more importantly... I do think a lot of people voted for Trump just to blow up the system because it's been so shit for so long anyways. They're like, fuck it. Let's just watch this shit show unfold. That was part of it. But I don't really want to talk about that. I just want to say that point. My Mm. bottom line here is what the guy was saying is his prices had gone up five times, six times what they were in the recent year due to inflation and the global supply crisis. But he said it's going to work out for us because less people are going to start going international for workers. We're, it's going to benefit people here in America as workers because they're going to start getting paid and they're going to start bringing back all the jobs again here because it won't be that much more beneficial for companies to pay smaller, lesser shit wages internationally. And I'm like, really? That'd be pretty surprising to it's see that It's all happen. very insanely charged. Uh, is, he, is he American or is he Canadian? Yeah, he's American. Yeah, he's a Michigan. He's American. And he's a small business owner. Mm-hmm. And he is saying that uh, Trump Trump did whatever. I, I'd even hate using... Trump's using tax shit and the all name. the other yeah. so, things that uh, he did. going to yeah, hurt us so, now, but eventually. Wait, they're going to hurt the companies us now, will, but it's going to... It hurts better. us now. It hurts now. I mean, his price is six times, beyond quadruple, five times, six times what he had to pay before for shipments. But in the long run, all the jobs will come back to here because companies will realize that it costs the same amount to pay internationally workers as it does in the United States now. Yeah, yeah well, as soon as, 
as soon as our supply chain issues get worked out, uh, you're going to be right back to the same goddamn uh, like global environment. Sorry, this is America. You, know, you don't make money. You're a fucking douchebag. Now what you gonna do? That's gonna. It's not. It's not going to evolve in any particular way. The only things that are going to evolve in this, like under the conditions that we have, are things like uh, people working from home and all that. That that's it. Like those, because the the global supply chain, the the economy itself, China. doesn't actually depend on somebody being in an office, right? But it does mm-hmm. depend on you know a boat being able to get from fucking point A to point B quicker than it used to. And you are fake news. It's if demand continues to climb, uh, I, I don't know. Maybe like the the Fed is gonna, or maybe they already did. But you know, my I was already saying they were they were gonna like just increase fucking interest rates. They're gonna do that. Uh, people are gonna get squeezed again. The demand about doing is definitely business. demand is gonna go back down just as they they wanted to, which is fucking insane. Even though like that's the thing that actually generates the fucking economy. And yeah, if if they if people's buying power actually goes up, if demand continues to increase, I mean, we still need our fucking treats. You know, we still need our pizzas. We still need our still our frozen <laughs> foods. We still need our we're doing business, man. Cattle we're from Argentina. Business. Like we still need. Dope, 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 dope. We're doing business. It's, it's just the thing is, it's it's all it's all gonna settle back into exactly where it was. It's not going to, it's never going to help this guy. Like if he's thinking, if he's thinking that some, somehow things are better now, like uh, it doesn't mean things are going to continue to get better. That's just a complete accident. Hmm. Okay. Well, we're doing business, you know I mean? man. Dope it's literally going to, it's going back to what it was. Doing business. It has to. Just doing business. Anyways, uh, in a way, I I'd found like to that be interesting. Wrong, but I, I don't know who this guy is. So. Oh, I wish you'd be wrong too. I wish we could all live in a fairy tale land where everything works out for everyone. But the way this culture is designed, the way the society was set up, there's going to be winners. There's going to be losers, and that's this happened how it's for a reason, Michael. You just to gotta, you just gotta believe it. Gotta believe <laughs> things right. happen for you, a reason. You can do anything if you can imagine near it. Well, fuck <laughs> you. <laughs> Imagineer it. And fuck you, pretty boy. Whoa, and fuck you all very much. That's right. Fuck you all very much. I'm out of here. Yep. There it is. Uh, actually, it so I got another pod I'm doing soon. Uh, the Cinnamon iPod, who Luke's been on several times. Uh, we're Sorry. doing American Beauty, Luke. Remember American Beauty? Sure do. I actually wish I was on that one. That's a. I got a lot to say about that movie. Yeah, uh, we're having Christian on. He's the special guest, and he picked it. And... It was the, I forgot this, it was the Best Picture winner that year for Academy Awards in 2000. Kevin Spacey won for Best Actor. It was a big hit with all the mainstream celebratory, hey, look at me, look at me. Yeah, Yeah, you know, the promotions and the campaigns. It's all, for those of you that don't know, if you don't know that much about movies, trust me when I tell you that. Anybody who wins an Academy Award, most likely it was promoted. It was campaigned for. It's not just under the goodness of an incredible performance alone. So there's a whole world of bullshit that goes behind all that trash. And that's why I just couldn't give a fuck anymore about Academy Awards, the Oscars. Who gives a fuck? 
Um, and I know Travis, my co-host Travis and Eric, they don't like that because they're still suckers for the Oscars and they want to go through the rigmarole every year of the nominees. It's their the thing. Pageantry. And I understand. They love yeah, the pageantry. We, they love to dress up comforts. like golden. They dress up like golden boys and <laughs> enjoy. Yeah. They sit it's in golden comforts. robes. I get it. Yeah. I got creature comforts that make no of sense course. that I support. Of so. course. Yeah. I do too. I understand. But uh, point being is it was a big winner. And now that Kevin Spacey's been canceled, you know, the, oh, yes. It's just, yeah, oh, yes. Kevin Spacey was canceled, for those of you that don't know. And fortunately, it, yeah, you got some really good performances in that movie. Annette Benning was great in that movie, outstanding. It's a really well-written movie, too, because it has quality, legit things to say about the monotony, the bane of, the banality of the everyday existence of suburbia and middle-class life, which no longer exists, really, in America. But at a time in 99, it still did. Um, so I, yeah, I definitely one, can see one of the, it still is interesting. It's an interesting film still. Cause it has a lot of you know, pontification about a lot of different things that I find interesting. Yeah. I mean, it is, it's one of the ultimate like end of history movies, you know, that it was just like this, this is the permanent state. And I think maybe that's why, maybe that's one of the, re- well, like, then I get all excited. I'm like, my, Jojo, my the biggest circus boy with a pretty new pet. My biggest problem with that movie, I, it's funny you bring that up because I was just, I was literally thinking about this specific movie when I was thinking about Severance because we were talking about Severance mm-hmm. last week and I told, I told you guys to watch it. I said, it's a bit of a slog. It's a little like, uh, it's a little hard to watch. Um, side note is directed by Ben Stiller, which I think is kind of fun, but is it? yeah, yeah. Like almost all the episodes, as far as I know, are directed by Ben Stiller. Um, that is so fetch. But but basically, they take they take the modern like uh, work environment, and they turn it into this like um, you know just really sterile type uh, post apocalyptic type um, you know work environment. Everything is like hospital like and and very very uh, distant, and there's only four people that work in an office and all. And it's it's completely fucking unnecessary. It's probably my biggest problem with the entire show, and that's my biggest problem with uh, American Beauty is that you, do, you there is no need for all this fucking melodrama. Uh, fucking middle class life is depressing enough and enough to like make people like murder each other. You don't need a gay Nazi to do it. Hmm, a gay Nazi, yeah. Well, there's a lot of other things going on there, but that's true. Chris Cooper as the gay Nazi that Luke was alluding to. Um, so I'm excited to talk about that on the Cinema Night podcast, but I just used to quote that movie to death. It was very quotable. It was a huge part of my life in 2000, 2001. For some reason it really, I mean, I was only 19, 20 years old. I don't know why it spoke to me so much or it really hit with me. It struck a chord think, for sure. I think that's it. I think you were, I think that was the last year that you could have enjoyed that movie. At least that's what it was for me. Like if I I tried watching it like five years later and I fucking hated it. But at eighteen, oh. nineteen, when you're still in high school, you're still in a fucking cloister. You're still in a cloister. You haven't gotten out yet. You know, you haven't even like gone to college or done anything, anything at all mm-hmm. with your life. It seems like it's a fucking masterpiece. Oh my god! We got like, that from the source. Ah! There you are. We did get that from the source. That's true, Luke. Good call. Yeah, it's complete. It's 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 a fucking terrible movie, and I hope that you uh, carry those thoughts uh, forward into your movie review. It's fucking <laughs> okay, garbage. Well, 
hey man i mean i'm open-minded you know i'll do it all i'll try anything once i'm yeah, pretty no, down yeah, with just, like just just speak from your heart but you know that's no i mean i'll do it I, all. I am curious I'll, to I'll hear if anyone I'll has eat anything, anything. Or, i'm curious I'll to hear anything. if anyone has anything critical to say about it like critical I'll watch anything. It, meaning like does anyone fucking understand what they're watching that hey, motherfucker, I eat everything. I eat the pussy, I eat the butt, I eat every motherfucking thing. <laughs> yeah, right? Hell yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm like that guy. I'm like clearly down to just try it all. And I got to because this life is short. So I'm, I'm very, yes. very excited to do that. By the way, uh, me and Leanne did something on Saturday that I will never tell you about on the air. But I was really, uh, let me just say this. It's not sexual at all. Let's get your heads out of the gutter, you sick fucks. Well, then you can say it. No, I can't. <laughs> but it was, uh, it just locked me into loving her a little bit more. So I know I'm in with the right woman for sure after Saturday. So I love you, Leanne. You're not hearing this. You'll never hear it, but thank you. I did, really you go to, did you go to three different uh, fast food restaurants <laughs> on one trip? That is a really, really, That's really a good, good guess. I'm going to give it up for that. That's an outstanding guest, Luke, to know me. <laughs> Once upon a time is to know that Yes. you got to go to Burger King for the burgers. Then you go to Taco Bell for a Pepsi. Maybe you throw in like a new item they got rolling out. And then you head yep. over to McDonald's for the fresh fries. Because you don't want the fries first. Fresh that would fries. be an amateur hour move. Fresh, fresh fries, fries, too. And you yeah, demand can I get them. those fresh? Oh, you do demand them. Yes, you do. Yep. I demand them well done, too, because they don't know what fresh fries are. So I got to make sure that they're fresh by saying, I want them crispy well done. And they hate that. Because fast food workers are becoming even more despondent these days than they were 20 years ago when I worked at Arby's or and McDonald's. Can you, and can you even <laughs> believe it? What did you guys, um, Mike, you got to, you got to give us a, uh, you got to give us a fast food story. Um, I, I mm. feel like there was, there were milkshakes being thrown around. There's uh, wild <laughs> shit that used to happen at Arby's. Yeah. We used to throw the, the toys that you get in a happy meal in the fryer for you know, just dumb <laughs> shit like that. So, I think I've said on this show before that I would, when I worked at Burger King in 1996 as a 15-year-old, I would just dip the chicken tenders in the mayo that I'm supposed to use to spread on everyone's. I use it as my own personal dipping container, <laughs> but I'm supposed to use it to spread it on every sandwich that requires mayonnaise. I definitely did that. Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. That was a fun job. What can I say? We had a good time there. Get a job, sir! But. Yeah, we had a great time. Um, you know, one time I... <laughs> I actually got fired from Arby's because somebody ratted me out. I stole a cookie and I gave it to our friend Keith, who was an employee, fellow friend and employee at Arby's, but he was off duty that day. And I gave him a free cookie, which was by far not the worst thing we I ever did or anybody else did at Arby's in that time Ooh. period. Much worse things happened from that. That's but like that's like they sold me out, dude. You're like you were like Al Capone. <laughs> you got you got fired for tax evasion. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, okay. In that respect, yeah, that's true. Uh, well, you know. You don't even know what a write-off is. Do you? No, I don't. But they do. And they're the ones writing it off. It's true, they are. That was a perfect opportunity. Tax evasion. I had a great time at Arby's. We had a great crew all day long. We'd work the Saturday shift. You know, you go to high school during the week, and then we worked that Somebody would come in at 8 to 4. There's the 8 to 4 shift, 8 a.m. to 4. And then there's the 10 to 6, 10 a.m. to 6. Yeah, yeah, hell. I never worked that 8 a.m. shift. But I think Morgan was always up early working that shift. And I'd show up for the 10 shift, which was hard enough for me to get out of bed by 10. 
<laughs> all day long. God. It's very busy at Arby's on a Saturday. A lot of people out and about, <laughs> especially at lunchtime. And we all were, we had this thing. I mean, it's so homoerotic, I suppose. Uh, we were just slapping each other's asses. That was a thing that <laughs> we all did for literal years, like every friend. And it was, it got violent too. It wasn't like loving. It was, it would get real violent. You know, yes. like people would a hard, violent ass smack. Some people would grab, which I thought was a bit much. But uh, yeah, well, it's 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 <laughs> homoerotic. It's homoerotic with a, a sousan of uh, sadism. It is, yeah, yeah. And if somebody comes in for their morning coffee at Arby's, which in 1995, if you're doing that, I imagine Good how God. shitty the coffee at Arby's in 1995 was. I said. I would not be a fan of that. Yeah, because it was coffee from 1994. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But we would be doing that up and down the line. The two guys working the main registers, then the drive through people, and then who's ever working back there <laughs> oh, making God. the food. Every time they come up with the food, it was just ass max down the line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> bing, bing, bing. And then right in front of customers. And they never said anything. They just accepted it. It was so weird. Like, we didn't. Just a full-on ass smack while someone's taking an order and the customer says nothing. That's how. So there was there was no time. There was no time more equally more equally homophobic and homoerotic than this. <laughs> Absolutely, it's it a was strange... equal parts. It was yeah. the the amount of like excessive like ass touching and just like ball <laughs> grabbing and all that by guys who uh, claim to be straight. Like a hundred percent straight, like I'm a hundred percent straight, like oh, people yeah. that actually no. care about the percentages. Oh my God, that was I used to get picked on, and uh, the way I used to get picked on is a guy would walk by on the scene, like the seniors on the football team, and this dude would fucking flip my flip me in the dick. Oh, he would he would do I think that? I know that is whatever that is. Yeah, yeah. what the hell was his name? That red-haired fucking ogre. That oh, fucking, Zilio? Yeah, that fucking bridge yeah. troll. Yeah. I was thinking it was possibly a bomber, but yeah, that's fine too. Nope, yeah. nope. Yeah. I didn't get picked on by him. I only got picked on by that fucking red-headed piece of shit. This is the great house-sitting deal that you found. This place is a dump. Just wait till you see the pool. <laughs> no water? <laughs> oh, I, uh... You gotta imagine this. We all have to imagine this right now. Oh my god! Earth. Yes. <laughs> you two look like you need to get wet. Is it? <laughs> yes. Yep, that's right. <laughs> Schmitzke. This was one of the best commercials they ever did. Yep. It was so funny. And it was kind of ahead of its time. Adam Sandler, I have something to say about Way Adam Sandler as a strange, like, pro-gay, um, mainstream initiator. He's pro-gay, but he's pro- he's like pro. He's like you've got a he's big just pro. Oh, here we go. Let's finish it. Gay, pro, everything. I think I'm gonna like this. Sorry well, if I talked over that, but yeah. No, 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 no. Who cares? The, okay, so Sandler 
has always included a lot of stuff about homosexuality in his comedy. Uh, yes. And I'm never sure if, like, he's been in on the joke. He's also been a, part, a butt of the joke with it. You know, he does a thing called Gay Robot, which was a part of one of his comedy albums. It's pretty funny, too. Nick Swartzen played the gay robot. I actually thought it was pretty funny. But he also did that movie, Unpronounce You, Chuck and Larry. Yes, 2007. Right. Yep. I watched that not too long ago. Maybe like a year ago or something. Yeah, what is up with that movie? I don't, it's uh, very strange. Fucking insane. Uh, God, I, you know what? I feel like we need a we need a gay correspondent. You know, we need somebody to give us. We do give yeah. us the fucking real deal on it because we really we should bring someone. Because in. part part of it is that the people that are like the people that think this shit is funny in the way that it appears that they want it to be funny are the dumbest people in the world. So. I can't even imagine our gay friends like giving a shit about it or thinking <laughs> just I would just imagine we just like fucking write it off like whatever it's just fucking like fucking straight it's like straight gays who like can't who can't like actually just embrace the fact straight that they gays. have some the yeah <laughs> they've got some they've got like you know like we talked about before sexuality is a goddamn spectrum you know like like john scott was saying he's like i don't hey, know Carl, like 70 percent straight and it's like that that is the same with everyone and it's like i don't know I, I just think how can you look at a fucking i don't know how can you get angry at an adam sandler movie at the same time it's like is, okay is it like a truly wrong would have done just fine is this shit that you need to fucking anyone needs to actually like protest about or did we, we just all collectively not watch it like we're doing now because like none of his movies are any good anymore they're all fucking garbage so oh they're so bad yeah and they and they probably weren't that good anyways to begin with they were never good it's like they made no, a no, but they're fun, laugh they're funny comedies they no, there's there were legitimate funny comedies absolutely man i'm glad i called that guy that shit was hilarious steve buscemi with a list of people to kill he calls them the night before that's again, I, haven't more, wa- I haven't watched more, that shit in 25 years. More of that. And that's in Billy Madison. That's in 95. I mean, Steve I Buscemi love- wears a bunch of lipstick, which clearly is implying a bunch of yes. all, you know, Absolutely. non-straight situations, I guess. It's almost like it's almost like Sandler is one of those people that is he's so um he's a captured, he's like a captured 90s character. He just He's captured in that in that fucking in that era in that zeitgeist. And I ate some frisky crackers in the car. I mean, it, it seems like that's the only thing that he can do because he continuously does it in every new movie. Like I, I continuously watch his movies because I'm almost fascinated with how the fuck he even has a contract and keeps doing these things. And it and some of them are like remakes of you know great like, French movies and shit. And, and they're so so ignorant and so stupid and so fucking <laughs> bad they're so bad that like they are beyond it's <laughs> that you can't even it's no point in even fucking talking about it but because it, you're does, absolutely it does 100% seem like right. it does seem like to me that he's captured in the 90s uh in the 90s like zeitgeist especially when it comes to uh when it comes to little conversations about you know r- relationships between uh, sexual identity and stuff. I, I feel like he just—he <laughs> he doesn't give a fuck about that. Uh, it's like that's—that's it, that's the thing. I, I think ultimately with him is I think he just doesn't care. I don't think he's 
malicious. I just think he doesn't care. No. Oh yeah. Well, he can't solve all the world's ills. No. And, <laughs> no. But he he could limit <laughs> perpetuating some of the uh, things that happen. So there's a there's a balance, yeah, I could. think. But he is perpetuating it because he just doesn't give a fuck. Uh, exactly. That makes sense to me. I mean, I oh, mean, shit. at least I understand it. But you, I don't know. you have to get going fairly soon. But I do want to tell you, I did watch Sorcerer finally. This is oh, uh, you did. This is oh, to really for oh, yeah. This really is for oh this shit. Is for, this I for watched. Danny. Oh, I'm so glad you brought this up. Okay, I can go after you because I watched To Live and Die in L.A. for the first time last Shut week. Shut the front I'm door. I'm not kidding. You watched that, I'm, and I watched I watched Sorcerer. You watched I'm dead to live ass. And die in Holy LA? shit! How about that? That's an exciting moment for the show. We did not plan that at all, folks. This is totally coincidental. This is not a scripted show. So, go ahead. You go Sorcerer first, and I'll—I didn't see Sorcerer, but go ahead. Okay, actually, actually, Sorcerer is an easier one to easier one to break down, I think, because it it does. It really is. It is the most like kind of white knuckle fucking movie I've seen in maybe ever. Uh, It's a true fucking masterpiece. Uh, Billy Freakin's best work by far. Wow, you you can't even remotely compare something like fucking Exorcist to this shit. This is like if um, I was I was telling Brian I was texting him on the side and I was like, this is like if uh, Herzog, if Herzog had was a more like conventional filmmaker that that wanted to tell a more conventional type story, it's the kind of movie that he would make with like the with like the fucking firepower of like a Billy Friedkin. It's one of the most unbelievable uh, films I've ever seen because I can't even believe how it got made. It makes no fucking sense. It looks like a complete fucking disaster. It looks like uh, 20 people should have been killed during the filming of this, which is something that Brian brought up during uh, or in one of his emails, which I completely agree with. I cannot, I just can't wrap my mind around being there. I mean, who was a... Um, who was it that uh, was shooting the? Oh fuck! Uh, never mind. Uh, Landis. Landis uh, was shooting. Jonathan like, Landis. Like, Twilight Zone. Yeah, yeah, and and fucking like a helicopter goes down in the rain and fucking. Vic kills Murrow. Three people. Yeah. Vic Murrow. He died yeah. with those kids. That's right. Fucking kids exactly. died. It was awful. It's fucking horrendous. This when you watch this movie, it is an absolute fucking shock that it wasn't like quadrupled like the death toll wasn't quadrupled in this uh it is it's a harrowing it is it's almost harrowing just what because you're constantly like watching it as a movie like you're constantly kind of stepping back a little bit because it's it's so intense and it's so crazy that there's no way you can you can't be that absorbed because it's almost too much. You know, you have to fuck like, me back running. a little bit and be like, holy fuck, these guys are going to die. I need to call my wow. senator. And, <laughs> but the, Jesus the movie, Christ, man. But the reason why the movie is like more or less kind of straightforward is that it is, it is call basically, there are some back backstories to the, the characters, but there are four guys who end up in Latin America, Veracruz, and uh, it's that's in Mexico, and they have to drive uh, drive these trucks full of nitroglycerin, uh, really delicate nitroglycerin. Like you know, too much vibration will cause it to blow up. So it's like a super white knuckle, tense fucking drive. And it's Brian said like you know, there's a scene where like this truck goes over a 
like a rope bridge in the truck looks like a goddamn fucking sea monster. It is absolutely true. Uh, absolutely great. Unbelievable to look at. Uh, does not have a lot of dialogue. I will, I found that to be a little crazy. Normally these types of movies, it's all about like backstory, like, you know, two guys in a car talking, hmm. you know, they don't yeah. talk at all. They just like, <laughs> they're on a mission. No talking. But, but dear God, it is abs. It's an absolute like triumph of a film. I don't even know how it got made. I don't know how they, I don't know how it not only did it get made, but how the fuck did they finish it? It's incredible. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. It's my favorite movie that uh, Billy Freakin ever did. By well, far. Um, uh, By far. It sounds like you absorbed it and you survived and you didn't do anything drastic or radical. So good for no. you. That, you know, really didn't think it would come to anything like that. But if it did, you know, <laughs> I, I guess this movie would be the one based right. on what you're saying. God damn, that's intense. Well, yeah. let's hope it doesn't come Very intense. That. So what is, uh, yeah, to live and die in L.A.? Live and die in L.A., man. First off, like I've already said before, I love William Peterson. He's just, I wish he was, he just deserved, why did he do CSI? You know, why did he do that? I don't he know. He, I mean, I know why. Because of the fucking money. TV money is better than any money in the world. So I get it. It's consistent. It'll always be there. And it was a mega monster hit. So there were some I, I there just, were some stories about him back in the day being a little like um, yeah, yeah, proud of himself or whatever, you know. Yeah, cocky. Yep. yep. You can see it. You can really see it. So maybe I'm just buying into the performance. But in this movie, he plays a very, very cocky, brash hotshot for the Secret Service. So, I don't know if... I mean, he's playing a character. I get it. But this movie was wild in a sense that... You know, it's, it's not really conventional. You got babyface Willem Dafoe. He's so young. He plays the arch nemesis, the guy that they're trying to go after. And, and this movie's not about what I thought it was at all. It's called To Live and Die in L.A., so I had no clue what it was really about. And I didn't bother to look at any of the... Description, synopsis. I don't really like synopsis that much unless I'm really, really curious. I just went in fresh. And, you know, it's first things first. You got to put the movie on and just start to absorb it and see where it takes you. First things first. That's what I'm saying. First things first. And that's exactly what I did. It's it's intense. Uh, John Pankow is a guy, if you don't know the name, look him up. You'll know exactly who oh, yeah. he is. His face is very, very goofy familiar. Remi I knew him. Yeah, goofy face. In fact, I thought he was a little out of... His place in the casting is questionable, but at the same time, it does work for certain parts of the movie. Which a lot the, he got casted a lot in the eighties. He did. I mean, I, he I had was no idea. The secret no of my success. Even instantly. Yeah, exactly. That's what, that's what I thought of. But this movie is not. It has one of the longest car chases in the history of film. That's what I remembered. Right now, interesting. Such a long car chase it goes on forever. I mean, everybody talks about uh, the French Connection, right? Is that the one with the uh, legendary car chase that Billy Freaka did? And Billy Freaka no, no. loves his fucking... Did I get that no, wrong? No, no, no. Or am I yeah. thinking of the other... Is it the other one? It's Frankenheimer. Oh, shit. Frankenheimer. Frankenheimer and Friedkin. Friedkin and Frankenheimer. Yep. It happens all the time. He's a freaking Frankenheimer. Anyways, that... Well, that blows that up. But the the car chase was very, very long and drawn out. And this movie's almost like it was shot with a minimal script. Like it felt like it was a 
it's not amateur. I'm not, it's not the word, but it definitely is like a gritty kind of gorilla shoot in some some sense of that overall meaning when I think of those types of movies. Because it's really, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't like set up shots like you would think you would see in a mainstream movie either. And this is, I, I think it was a bust, you know, box office wise it was. But it's got people that you would recognize. So you might think, oh, I know those people. But uh, it's hard to find this movie. And yeah. it's also, it's also just doesn't follow a formula of any kind. Yeah, you got like, you, it's funny to see Morton uh, Downey or Morton Downey. Remember Morton Downey Jr.? Holy shit, that guy was a fucking wild dude. I, we could do a whole show on Morton Rob, Downey Jr. Robert Downey, Robert Downey Sr. is in this. Yeah, Rob, Robert Downey. Holy shit, Robert Downey Sr. is in this yeah. movie? Holy cow. He's the, uh, he's the boss of the Secret Service, for the field fucking division a. that uh, they report to. Uh, at any rate, Dean I, Stockwell? I, just don't, I don't want... Dean Stockwell's a scumbag lawyer. That's right. I don't want to give John away Turturro? the movie for people who haven't seen Holy it. Shit. John Turturro plays a stool pigeon. Yeah, and he's... Stool pigeon with Carl Cody. I can't give no, it away, so well, don't give it all away. I can tell you is you gotta see this movie. It's definitely worth your time. Uh, Bill Peterson's outstanding in this movie. Uh, he's got he does a lot of physical stuff too. Like there's a lot of running and trying to track down bad guys. It's good guys versus bad guys, but then who's right, who's wrong. It's also about something I had no idea was about at all. And it was really, really one of the most specific, detailed slowly but properly drawn out examples of how somebody would do i don't want to give it away so i can't say it but i was really blown away by the scene with willem dafoe where he's working on what he works on in that movie it's like a seven minute slow detailed bit step by step of process of how he's doing what he does in that film and i'm like oh wow this is fascinating it's really like they really go through the motions instead of just kind of glossing over how he does what he does. And I feel like if I say that, I don't know if it ruins the movie or not, but maybe it does. So also, holy shit. I, I have to, uh, I have to apologize to you. Yeah. Any listener that knows better would have been just very angry at me for doing that to you. But yeah, Billy freaking did do French connection. Uh-huh. Must be the second one. Must be. You jumped end. on me so hard, I felt like I was. I, wrong, I just, so. yeah. Uh, it's because oh. I've got that same. I had the same confusion of those two for so long that I was convinced that whatever I think is wrong, so the opposite is right, and I was like, <laughs> "Oh, it's freaking." Yeah. Or, it's okay. We all. It's know. not. We've it's all done it's it. not. Yeah. It's Frankenheimer, but yeah. It's yeah. French Connection, freaking. Frankenheimer uh, did the second one. Oh, oh, that's right. Okay. Well, yeah. there it is. That's the show. I got to go. So th- well, what do we close the show on today? Where do we talk about? Uh, be a good closer. Shit. Oh, shit. I had... All right. You're going to have to remind me about the uh, the limousine thing for next episode. Oh, shit. Episode. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. Sorry. John, John, Scott will, John Scott will want to be part of that. He will. He definitely yeah. will. Uh, yeah, Hey, your pick, man. You haven't picked in a minute. Uh, it's a wide open, wide open thing for you. Go for it. Oh, so have you started watching Winning Time on HBO Max? The Lakers I have thing? Not. I have not. You got to start watching that. Yes, I haven't started either till last night. I, w- I started watching the first episode, and it you got to watch it. It's Adam McKay, so you got to watch it. I know, I know, I, I know. He's start been watching on this it forever. He's like an NBA fucking nut. 
Yeah, but it's nothing like that. It doesn't matter if you're an NBA fan or not. It's Adam McKay. It's so McKay. It's so fucking directed. It's his style to the, the team. Only, you got the fucking only. fourth wall free-for-all in this show. It's beyond anything he's ever done. And that's the saying a lot true, because McKay loves to break the fourth wall. Yeah, yeah. And he's the only true fucking uh, big-name leftist director that's out there. No, well, no one else. I just watched the first. I haven't even finished the first episode, but I, I was like, why did I wait? I love sports, and I love Adam McKay, and I love good shit. That's fascinating. Oh, yeah. It's based... I, love, I mean... I know you don't like biopics, so this is kind of like a historical. Oh, no, retelling, I, I've but. I've I've had to back I've had to back off on that. Uh, that was a little too much. Maybe it was a whiskey fueled uh, rant for no good reason. <laughs> well, I, this I is went, based on I a went reality, hog wild, course, and that so. was stupid. Okay, well, that's fair. Well, the uh, intro song is a great song I heard in a while. This is a great jam by the Coup, my favorite mutiny. That's a great choice. So we'll go out on that. Thanks for listening. Is this a pot at gmail.com? Luke and Mike. John Scott will be back next week. Until then, enjoy my favorite mutiny. For your just desserts, it's not just the words. Some of y'all heads up in the cloud. I'ma bring y'all back to earth. It's black back to burn. Bullshit y'all talking about. Out your mouth, I'm not concerned. Cause y'all got to learn. It's y'all turned like Detroit Red. When his head had an ultra perm. The long walk I burned. Your bare heels, so throw on your boots. The game camouflage like army suits. But I can see it more clear. Cause I came with the coop in here. Ring the alarm and form the troops. Send them out into the world. Go to war on the fluke. Out of eye with the enemy you sworn to shoot. Now I'm coming at your neck, sick of hearing something wrong with me. Motherfucker, something wrong with you. When the cheap just way too smart to question. The enemy, the brothers of a dark complexion. The governments of the world is shark infested. They have the own weaponry like Sharp and Heston, man. Look, it gets low here. To the pigs is my basic statement. I spit street stories till I taste the pavement. Trying to stay out the pier where we face enslavement. Had a foolproof hustle till they traced the payments. I was gripping my palm around some shitty rum. Trying to find Psalm number 151. To forget what I'm old as I clutch the commode. Ready. Put down the bottle and come get the gun. Let's get off the chain like Kunta Kente with a Mac 10. They want us gone like a dollar in a crack den. Suddenly subtracting seeds and stems. Mind cloudy through the weeds and phlegm. Numbing my brain off of that and the Jesus hymns. If we waiting for the time to fight these is thems. Telling us to relax while they ease it in. We're getting greased again. The truth I write is so cold it'll freeze my pen. I boots right. It's a pleasure to meet you. Never let they punk ass ever defeat you. They got us on the corner wearing pleather and see-through. All y'all's gold mines, they want to deplete you. I ain't just finna rap on the track. I'm finna clap on the back and it's been stacking it at. 500 years before Iceberg ever leaned back in the lack. Before they told Rosa Black in the back. Before the CIA told Ricky Ross to put crack in the sack. The Gil's got traded rapping for smack. This beat alone should get platinum plaque. I'd rather see a million of us ecstatic to scrap Cause if we bapping them back, we automatically stack Check it out Favorite.
UNC, reboots of me, activating the community, up in the bay like Huey P, they suck a free, it remind me of the BK, there's love for me, but the beast, got it twisted, I'll untangle it, the black mind intertwined like the ropes they used to hang us with, this my favorite shit, I came in the game, but in the way this bit, they got you questioning who you banging with, take it back to M-Hotep, go a step deeper like a poor righteous teacher with holy intellect, Killer flow for all my real niggas left And then for the failure to jig a boo that's been a death Once again you can feel hip-hop underground Still about my guap Gangster like fuck the cops Talib Kweli, revolutionary MC And that ain't about to stop